Welcome to NSCA's Coaching Podcast, episode 65. But beyond that, um, I truly believe that fitness, nutrition, good sleep, good mental health uh, and wellness, as well as you know spirituality, I think all of those things are really important in creating resilience in firefighters. This is the NSCA's Coaching Podcast, where we talk to strength and conditioning coaches about what you really need to know, but probably didn't learn in school. There's strength and conditioning, and then there's everything else. Welcome to the NSCA Coaching Podcast. I am Scott Caulfield, and today joining me in sunny Washington, D.C. at the NSCA National Conference, Annette Zapp, who, awesome enough, lieutenant for an engine company with Lyle Woodridge Fire District uh, in the Chicagoland area. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Scott. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, and super excited to have you. Uh, most of our interaction is done through Instagram, sending each other pictures of dogs or funny uh, sites and, and anything dog related. That is true. You know what, Scott? I have a funny dog story, and this, is, this started really early in my life. My mom used to be concerned about me petting strange animals. And so my grandpa took me out for a walk one day and my mom's only advice to him was don't let her pet dogs. And so I came back and I said, mommy, I pet a dog. And my mom gave my grandpa the business. She's like, I told you, don't let her pet dogs. And grandpa's like, well, she said, I pet the strange dog, grandpa. I couldn't say no. So it started at a very young age. That's great. <laughs> and being in a fire department, do you, you have a dog on the engine like everyone expects them to? <laughs> you know what? We don't, and it's tragic, but th there's a really good reason. We work on a three-shift um, rotation, and it's really a bad idea to have a dog with three different shifts running, yeah, you know, yeah. what's going on. So yeah. we don't have a dog. All it's right. tragic. That's, that's a, that's a uh, old wives' tale or a myth of firefighting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's sad. <laughs> but we get a plenty of chances to see dogs and puppies everywhere and pet them. I've seen a few in the hotel here, so we might have to track some down later. Yeah, I went for a walk this morning and I did, I, I pet, sorry mom, I petted all the strange dogs. Sorry. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, you're a 15 year veteran of the fire department. Um, super cool. So I definitely want you to talk about your, you know, experience as a firefighter first, but you know, secondary to that, or, you know, kind of the cool part of Beyond that is your CSCS, your TSAC certified, you know, you have advanced training and you're involved with ISSN and all this other stuff. So we definitely want to hit, you know, on some of that more specific. But yeah, tell us a little bit too about being a firefighter. All right. What Scott's basically saying is I got a lot of baggage and we're going to unpack it. <laughs> so uh, as he mentioned, I am a 15-year veteran. I work for a small fire protection district in Illinois. It's a suburb of Chicago. We're about maybe 30 minutes west of the city. And if you don't know the difference between a fire department and a fire protection district, we pretty much are a little kingdom um, in and of ourselves. So we are a line item on your property taxes and when we want a new fire truck we we don't have to fight with the police or the public works who gets a snowblow who gets a fire truck we are a fire protection district um, for 15 years i've been working there i worked my way up through the ranks and i am now in a lieutenant on an engine company i'm a lieutenant on a very busy engine company which provides me very little sleep it is it's it's a very sad situation but uh, we run about 7,800 to 8,000 calls a year. We have 35 square miles. We have a very big geographic area. We have five stations, 
87 sworn employees. Wow. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. Um, and so what's a, what is a typical day, if there is such a thing in the life of a firefighter, look like? You know what, that's a great question. And we made a huge change actually two years ago. We, we went to mandatory, non-punitive morning workouts. So we come in in the morning, our shift starts at seven, most people are there earlier. Our shift starts at seven, we do our rig checks, and then everyone already has on their workout clothes. And then we do some foam rolling, we do some corrective style warm-up exercises that are delivered via YouTube by yours truly. And then everyone kind of separates off, goes their own way, does their own individual training. And then we all regroup at nine o'clock. Um, there's usually a drill or something like that. So that's if the public doesn't call us 57 times before we finish right. our training. So uh, as I mentioned, we usually have a drill at nine o'clock. Then we go to the grocery store. People always wonder what the firefighters are doing at the grocery store. Folks, we got to eat too. So <laughs> we go to the grocery store, uh, come back, we make our lunch. And in, in between all of those things, we're running calls left and right. And the afternoon is usually dedicated to cleaning the station, cleaning the rigs, all of that good stuff. And if things go well, we eat dinner, we're allowed to go to bed, and we are allowed to sleep, but it usually doesn't happen. <laughs> doesn't happen like that. So, yeah, yeah that's a, what we call a typical day. That's too funny. I just saw two firefighters in the grocery store that I was in the other day uh, in this weekend in Leadville, Colorado. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, it's interesting. The public, uh, sometimes they'll look in our cart and say, oh, what are we buying you today? They don't understand that the firefighters toss in money in the morning and we buy our own groceries. We are probably the best consumers of groceries in the town. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and back so, back in the day when I was in the Navy, um, which you probably know, if you're on a, um, on a naval vessel, one of your main jobs beyond whatever your real job is is fighting fires, because you can't call a fire department when you're out in the middle of the Mediterranean Ocean. Um, so actually, firefighting yeah. was one of the things when I got out of the Navy. I was very heavily thinking about becoming a firefighter and was involved with the volunteer fire department in Montpelier, Vermont, where I. Awesome. made back home but um you know obviously got into this line of work and kind of got busy with that but it definitely has always been one of the things that i definitely have always thought would be a, a cool job or something that i would want to do yeah. you know what it can provide it's a great career and it can provide a great lifestyle it allows me to come to the nsea conference because i can do a couple shift trades and then take a vacation day and i have 20 some days off um, there's generally pretty good benefits, good insurance, um, good things like that. But, you know, the other thing, Scott, that people don't realize is that there's kind of a dark side to the fire service. And um, interestingly enough, we talk about line of duty deaths. And when you talk to a normal person about how do you think a firefighter dies in the line of duty, most of them would say, well, they have a tra traumatic accident or something like that. And the fact of the matter is a lot of firefighters suffer stroke and heart attacks in the line of duty. But what's really tragic is that in the past decade, actually firefighter suicide has started outpacing line of duty, other line of duty deaths. And I say other line of duty deaths because I truly believe that suicide is a line of duty death. Yeah. So it is, it's a fantastic job. It feels really good to help people. It, it, it's a very gratifying job, but there's also that dark side of it. Yeah that we're just starting to discover 
And thankfully, we're starting to educate people as they're coming in on that. So I think you would have been a great firefighter. I might have been. I might have been. I think you would have had trouble fitting the arms in the coat, though. (laughs) You would have had to have custom. Well, I wasn't that big. I've I've spent too much time in the gym now. So I was definitely a little smaller back then. (laughs) Maybe it would have been a different uh, fitness path as well. What? uh, So what are we doing then to deal with, um, you know, all this suicide and outpacing line of duty deaths is there some stuff that you guys are implementing and have been or you know yeah so this is this is pretty new all of this is really new and it's just coming onto my radar as well but in illinois uh one of our firefighters matt olson he's from the bolingbrook fire department he actually started a foundation called the illinois firefighter peer support network and he, uh, he recognized the need because he saw that darkness in himself and he actually reached out and he got help. And he, as he, through that process of reaching out and getting help, he realized that the resources weren't very good. Yeah. Um, it, it's interesting when a firefighter, a military person or a police officer goes to talk to a counselor or psychologist, oftentimes they end up upsetting the psychologist more than the psychologist is able actually to help them. So that's kind of a, a niche, that a market that needs to be filled. But with the peer support network, uh, we have resources for firefighters that they can reach out, they can talk to a friend, or I'm sorry, they can talk to a fellow firefighter who understands the job, and we can get them the resources that they need. But beyond that, um, I truly believe that fitness, nutrition, good sleep, good mental health uh, and wellness as well as you know spirituality i think all of those things are really important in creating resilience in firefighters so personally we take our new firefighters aside at my fire department and we have the conversation with them you know you're going to see things in this job that are they're going to be beyond what you can even imagine and you're not going to feel okay about those things but it's okay not to be okay and it's great to reach out for help so that's what we've got going on wow that's huge just to be able to recognize it too and and figure out where you need to get help from other experts is huge absolutely i uh, i had no idea how the fire service was going to affect me and i think part of my issue was i'm a very sleep driven person i've ever since i pet the dog when i was tiny if i didn't get enough sleep i was i had i was wrecked so sleep is really important for me and I had no idea how much that deprivation was going to affect me. And the other thing is I had no idea how much the, the dark and traumatic things that I saw were going to manifest themselves. And so luckily, I, I never had a huge struggle with um, a really bad depression or, you know, suicidal ideations. But I definitely changed. The fire service changed me. And it made me kind of dark and sad. And so throughout this discovery process of, uh, you know, finding out what the fire service was all about, uh, learning about the Illinois Firefighter Peer Support Network, and then sort of the light bulb going on for me, I actually changed the trajectory of my business to then focus on firefighter health and wellness. So very excited about that. That's such a great point about sleep deprivation, too, because it's such a, it's been such a badge of honor, right, for people right. to say, oh, I can, I can only, I only need two hours grind, of sleep. Grind, grind, I'll whatever, sleep when right? I'm dead. Yeah. And now that we find out that, like, whatever X amount of sleep deprivation, you know, is actually the same, like, equivalent to being intoxicated on alcohol and, like, all these crazy things right. that it can do to you. You're, you're 
brain is literally taking out the trash while you sleep. So if you don't sleep, you accumulate trash. That's the analogy I use. And firefighters, they get that one. Yeah, that's so. Great. Yeah, it, you're, you're right, though. It was always a badge of honor. I'll sleep when I'm dead. Yeah, no, and I know uh, my buddy Jeff Nichols, uh, you know, former SEAL, talks about all that and, and how much it affected him. And, you know, at the time when he was, you know, in the teams and, like, that was the badge of honor. And it's actually a great outside magazine podcast. Um, I forget his last name. I think it's Dr. Kirk Paisley. Oh, he's great. Um, who talks a lot about sleep. And, yep. and he was a SEAL SEAL team, uh, you know, door kicker and then became a doctor and then went back to the teams and, and found all these issues with their sleep deprivation and all kinds of, you know, blood markers that were just trashed from this lack of the sleep. testosterone markers. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy that they, they were finding, um, I think Dr. Parsley, it might be his name. Parsley, Parsley yeah. Okay, yeah. Dr. Parsley found that, you know, 22-year-old SEALs were having testosterone levels in the 200s. Yeah. I mean... They should have right. maxed out testosterone. Yeah. And interesting, as long as we brought up testosterone, uh, we have been running some testosterone on our firefighters, and the numbers are abysmal. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and again, the thing that I counsel them for is, uh, or counsel them to do is sleep, bro. You've right. got to sleep. <laughs> yeah. yeah. you got to sleep. Oh, that's great. Um, yeah. So where, I guess, you know, obviously this strength conditioning stuff is a passion of yours, but... At what point did you realize as a firefighter that you needed to be more educated on this and you needed to find out more to help the department or the people that you worked with? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I've been doing it. I just wrote a blog about this the other day. I've been doing this kind of stuff for almost 30 years, but I started when I was 18 months old. <laughs> so I've been doing health and fitness and all of those good things for a really long time. But I didn't really hone in on the firefighters till probably about five years ago. I did the common, I could be everything to everyone. You know, if you uh, had a kid who played baseball, yeah, I could help. You had, uh, your wife wanted to lose weight, yes, I could help. I did it all, and I did it pretty well, I'll be honest. But I really realized that you have to focus in on what you're best at, and what I know best is firefighters. And firefighters are, uh, they're an interesting demographic because they're all the same. You go to any firehouse in any town, in any, in any country in the world, and they're gonna be the same. They're alpha, males and females. They are very suspicious of outsiders. They, when something starts in the firehouse, whether it's good or bad, it spreads like wildfire. And they really, really, really respect you when you can meet them where they are because they don't, they don't want some expert, quote unquote, coming in to talk to them. They want to relate to someone. Nice. So, um, to, so to answer your question, no one knows a firefighter better than a firefighter. And so my path has been somewhat uh, easy and greased to get into firefighter health and wellness because of my background. So five years ago, I started uh, calling, if that can be used as the right word, my... Uh, my general clients and started focusing only on firefighters and fire departments. So right now I have one contract with uh, Downers Grove Fire Department, which is near me. It's about 75 members. I'm currently writing a contract for another department near me and then I help out with my own department. And then I also work with individuals. And almost exclusively when someone comes to me for help now, I ask if they're a firefighter and if they're not, I say no. 
because I really do focus on firefighters. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned firefighters being great to get into this, and, and oftentimes it ends up being someone in the department's duty or, you know, uh, extra duty to, to be in charge of fitness, right? So how, right. I guess, how are you doing at recruiting people to, to learn the right stuff? Or on the flip side of that, if if we have coaches who are involved in whatever, maybe collegiate or high school sports mm-hmm. and would and see the see the want or need to get involved in firefighting, helping firefighters, do you see like a career path or a way for people to get involved that way? There's, yeah, I think there's two basic best ways for this to happen. I think the very best way is to have a firefighter that is credentialed in you know strength and conditioning nutrition and all of that stuff and i haven't met very many of them uh, i just met a girl her name is uh, maureen and she's in wisconsin i believe and she is a registered dietitian she is a firefighter and wow. she is also the dietitian for the new york mets wow nice. she's a unicorn <laughs> but there aren't very many of them yeah. out there so what i what i would like to see and i'm working on this is finding firefighters that A, have an interest, but beyond that interest, have the ability to get themselves credentialed and coached up to the level that we need. Because to be honest, uh, just a general personal trainer isn't really gonna be able to help out firefighters that much. We really need that sort of strength and conditioning background, the performance background. So I'm just currently looking for people with the interest that I can help get them going in the right direction. The other way we can hit this is super credentialed people coming in from the outside. So our John Hoffmans, our Matt Wennings, people like that. It's more difficult for those people, of course, because they don't have the automatic credibility with the firefighters. I'll tell you a little side note story about that in a second. But those people, because they're so excellent at what they do, as long as we can teach them how to relate to the firefighters, they'll be hugely successful. And my side story is uh, when I got my first contract with the Donners Grove Fire Department, I went in to do a kickoff lecture with them. And I, on purpose, wore, you know, just khakis and a polo, very, you know, professional but casual. And I started speaking with them. And they, they kind of had a little bit of an attitude. They were leaned back in their chair wondering what this outsider was going to tell them. And then I said the magic words. I'm a lieutenant with the Lyle Woodard Fire Protection District. And everyone started to pay attention a little bit more closely. I automatically had credibility. They didn't know anything about my background other than I'm a firefighter and I'm gonna help them. So interestingly enough, one of the guys in the, the lecture that day, he retired about nine months later, but he wrote a letter to the village of Downers Grove. And he said how thankful he was that I was helping them and how helpful I had been to him individually. And he told a funny story about the day he met me and how I was giving the presentation and I was wearing this dress and, you know, he was wondering who this, you know, lady from the outside who didn't know anything was. And then I said I was a firefighter and then he sat up and paid attention. So (laughs) he didn't even remember what I was wearing. He thought I was wearing a dress, but that's what stuck in his head that I'm a firefighter and I'm here to help. That's interesting. Yeah. Interesting. How has it been being a female and then influencing all of this stuff as well? So, I mean, probably over 15 years, you've definitely probably seen growth in right. females firefighting. Well, it's still not there. Interesting. When I started, we had about 3% nationally. And within a couple of years, 
uh, we at our department had 3%. And I don't think it's bumped up much nationally right. from there. It's about 3%. But it was, it's interesting that you ask about being a female strength and conditioning coach in the fire service. I think I actually have a leg up on that because uh, the ego thing doesn't get in the way. Yeah. So they know I'm here to help and I teach them, I'm here to meet you where you are. I'm not interested in changing everything that you're doing or, or steamrolling over you. I am here to help. And I start with things like, what can you not do right now that you'd really like to do? Okay. And some of those guys say, man, I just like to play with my kids on the floor. Yeah. Like my back and my hips hurt so bad I can't get on the floor. Yeah. I meet them where they are, and then we start to sneak in the performance stuff. So get those guys out of pain, make them feel better, and then start sneaking in the performance stuff. I think it works like magic. Nice. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, so what are some of the typical issues that firefighters are, you know, from a physical lack or lacking physical standpoint? Uh, well, you know, it's, it's pretty typical of what we see nationally. Uh, firefighters are overweight and obese, unfortunately. In fact, I think statistically they're more obese than the general population. Yeah. But the things that I see, especially with them, complete lack of T-spine mobility. Scott, I'm a big woman, but I am a small firefighter and I barely fit in that cab. And, and I can't, you know, to turn around and put my seatbelt on or something like that is almost impossible. So lack of T-spine mobility, hip mobility is just absolutely terrible. The gear, unfortunately, although it is custom, so to speak, for each person fit to their waist and their length, it isn't necessarily custom fit to their joint. So my knees don't bend in the right spot in my gear. Yeah, yeah. So I'm fighting my gear every time I step up on the step. Gotcha. Hip mobility is terrible. And then firefighters, we, we wear boots in the station. We wear boots on the street. And because most of them are in the trades, they wear boots to work and so their ankles are locked into those boots all the time so just getting those guys to be able to move their ankles their hips and their t-spine it's like magic they're like you're the you're the best person ever <laughs> where have you so been my whole better. life yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> right uh, so how much of your hair do you pull out uh when you see a youtube video of a firefighter in their full like oh. <laughs> You know, and, ODA mask and, all the and here's the thing, those, what those guys don't understand is our risk for cancer is so immense yeah. compared to the general population. And now you're going to take that gear that's contaminated because I don't care how many times you wash it, it's still contaminated. Yeah. And then you're going to sweat in it. Oh, it's just such a bad idea. It's bad. You know, and the other thing that firefighters, I just did a post about this the other day too, is this is a sympathetic driven job. Yeah. We are on 24 seven. And there's an analogy, it's actually a pain analogy. People that are in chronic pain, um, their doorbell and their fire alarm sounds the same. Like mm, they're just okay. in that startle response. Yeah. So I kind of use that with firefighters yeah. too. Like our doorbell and, and our burglar alarm sounds the same. We're yeah. on all the time. And then there's this perception that you need to do all this high intensity, sympathetic driven training and they're doing it sleep deprived and all of that stuff. So that's my latest soapbox that I'm on. Firefighters need more parasympathetic yeah. type training and more sleep. Right. Did we talk about sleep already? Right. I think we did. <laughs> it's important. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you just spoke at ISSN a couple I, weeks ago, right? What I was that about? Did. What did you talk about? 
I talked about, you know, here's the thing. I have a master's in biochemistry. These people at ISSN are, have master's in nutrition. They have PhDs. They do research. I'm not going to teach them anything about nutrition. But the thing that I taught them about was the very special population that is firefighters and what they need. Um, firefighters tend to overeat because of the, I call it empty spots in their heart mm. and uh, to the uh, due to the trauma that they see so yeah. or demons whatever you want to call it so they fill those empty spaces with food with alcohol all kinds of other vices so i talked about just the mental mindset of firefighters and how important nutrition was to them and how to reach them yeah. and i was very it was a great presentation I, if i say so myself yeah. no, <laughs> no and you wouldn't think about that or you don't think about that i don't think like you're talking about the stuff that you guys see. Um, I have a buddy who was who retired in the Navy E7 and he got into, he was going to be a firefighter and then he got into like just um, first responder ambulance service. And he was like, yeah. dude, he, I couldn't do it. He's no. like, after a couple of the calls he had gone on that were mm -mm. just absolutely unfathomable. He was like, I, I could not do that job. Well, it, and the thing is with firefighters is that we are perpetual fixers. See a problem, fix the problem, move on to the next problem, and never really process what we saw. That happens both in our professional life, and then people get to know us that way in our personal life. So when they need things fixed in their personal <laughs> yeah. life, they call us too. And the other thing that, that you mentioned, uh, Jeff Nichols, I can't remember which uh, podcast it was, but he talked about, you know, he... Of course, he worries about the SEALs and, and the military guys that were in Afghanistan. But he said, those guys eventually come home. Firefighters live that life for 30 years. Yeah. So he said he worries about firefighters a lot. Yeah, uh, that's a great point. Yeah. You don't really think about that when you're considering it. But what um, is there kind of a trend or anything like new that you're seeing in, in your, the firefighting, fitness, strength conditioning world or? You know, I think. Good, bad or ugly. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of a lot of bad and ugly, just a lot of things kind of put under that functional training sort of umbrella that's very attractive to people. But when you really break it down and look at it, it's really it's not, not really that functional. Anything, yeah. It's not a really great way to train. Um, I think that the awareness for nutrition is getting better. When, when I started, they would always have biscuits and gravy on Sunday and then Saturday too. But the, uh, the rationale was we don't eat this way every day. Right. Well, yeah, but you kind of do. <laughs> you know, if you do it every, every Sunday right. that you work right. and every Saturday, that's at least once a week. Yep. And then, you know, the, the other thing too is that firefighters tell me, some of them, they eat better at work than they do at home. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's mortifying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think the awareness for nutrition is increasing, but we got a lot of work to do. Yeah. Um, and, and things are helping us, you know, things like that instant pad and better right. crock pot recipes and things like that. Guys realize, oh, I don't have to go get burritos because we can throw some chicken in the instant pot. So that's such a great point. Things uh, are getting better. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any more uh, upcoming speaking gigs coming soon? I do. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm speaking at TSAC nice. in uh, San Antonio in August. So I'm super excited for that. And then I've uh, I've applied for several things for 2000 and, uh, for 2020, but I haven't heard back for anything cool. yet. What's so. your session at Tactical going to be this year? I'm going to talk about just what we were talking about 
taking that firefighter and transitioning them into being a, a strength and training, a strength and conditioning, a, 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 <laughs> transitioning that firefighter into being a strength and conditioning professional for their department. So being an actual, because here's the thing, fire chiefs are very easily influenced and when they think, for example, that someone went to a 40-hour class and now they are able and capable to train people, that's what they expect. Yeah. But the analogy that I use always is you could send your secretary to a 40-hour car care class yeah. and she's not going to be able to work on your diesel engines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, that, at TSAC I'm going to talk about kind of that path of going from a firefighter to an actual strength and conditioning authority. Cool. Yeah. I think it'll be super excited. Well received. Yeah. yeah. It's exciting. Anything you're looking forward to uh, this week here? You know what? I'm looking forward to actually all of it. And yeah. I'm going to try to, I didn't get a ticket for the, um, for the banquet, but I'm going to try to do that. Yeah, I didn't do that last year. Right. So I'm going to try to get that done. Yeah, that's always fun. Yeah. Dress up. Dress up. See all right. The awards. Yeah. Exactly. No, again, uh, people probably get sick of hearing me say it, but, uh, you know, I think the coolest part about the NSCA is is the diversity of the organization. Tactical. People who are firefighters and strength and conditioning coaches and college strength coaches, professional, high school. Right. Every, and everyone in between, researchers, professors, students. Uh, I saw two students in the Dunkin' Donuts this morning and said hi to them, and they were just super eager and, like, smiles ear to ear it was so awesome it's great first, first national conference that i love it too. it's so cool yeah. i love it i love <laughs> being able to connect with those you know i met the gang from Rutgers mm -hmm. at issn so i'm looking forward to reconnecting with them and with katie hirsch at you know unc chapel hill and so it's i love it connecting with people is what i love awesome mm -hmm. well and i know you're very uh engaged on social media so uh if people are more interested in you know some of the stuff we talked about today or especially reaching out to you and learning more about what you do uh, whether it be firefighting or strength conditioning what's the best way that they can connect with you well don't forget you can also send puppy memes but <laughs> <laughs> i am uh the same handle on both twitter and instagram at fire f-i-r-e and then the letter s and the letter q and then fitness, F-I-T-N-E-S-S. -S. So when you spell it out, it's Fire Rescue Fitness. Okay. And then they can always connect with me on my website. There's a chat function and an email function. And so that is www.firesqfitness.com. Awesome. And we'll be sure to put all that in the show notes. And it's been great. I've learned a lot today, too. I appreciate it. This is a time. great opportunity. I appreciate it as well. This is a great way to kick off the week. Yeah, totally. Thanks for being on. And again, thanks to our sponsor, Sornex Exercise Equipment. Truly appreciate their support of the NSCA's coaching podcast and of everything we do. So thanks to all of you listening, too. Please, again, you know, if you like the show, go on and give us a review uh, wherever you listen to the show. Uh, subscribe, download, all that good stuff. Share it on social media. Reach out to uh, Annette and I on social. Send us puppy memes, etc. cetera. Uh, thanks again to everyone, especially Annette, for being on. Thank you so much. And as you know, we at the NSCA love research and especially applying that research. If you're not a member yet, join us and get access to the best strength and conditioning journals available. Just go to nsca.com slash membership. This was the NSCA's coaching podcast. The National Strength and Conditioning Association was founded in 1978 by strength and conditioning coaches to share information, resources, and help advance the profession. Serving coaches for over 40 years, the NSCA is the trusted source for strength and conditioning professionals. 
Be sure to join us next time.